Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo, and today is going to be a jam-packed show. I'm going to be having Liz Kuka, who's the Director of Programs at Ethereum Classic Labs and an investor at Digital Finance Group. I'll also have Brett Noyes, who is the Managing Director of Unbanked Ventures. We're going to be talking all about a roadshow that both Liz and Brett are going to be working on. Um, also, you want to stay tuned for Cyber Tip of the Week when I go through uh, some of the latest stories on what's going on in the nefarious cyber criminal world. So don't go away. So in tech news this week, Verizon just announced that they launched 5G service in two cities, Chicago and Minnesota. And although there's only one phone on the market, which is the Moto Z3 with a $200 adapter that could actually use the 5G network in the U.S., Verizon certainly wanted bragging rights to be the first network in the world since uh, the Koreans and the Chinese were racing toward that goal. They actually launched a week early, and it's actually too early to see what the performance is like. Um, the unofficial reports is that it is reaching the one gigabit speeds. If you hear about bots, and we've done shows about the software version of a robot, um, in the news is how the airline industry is getting very disrupted by malicious bots, which are these programs designed to take advantage of airlines and their websites into, quote-unquote, gaming the system, whether it's to hold reservations um, in order to resell tickets. Uh, the airline industry is actually losing quite a bit of money on that, and they're trying to combat that. One of our frequent topics is regarding blockchain and cryptocurrency and the regulations involved. The SEC announced last week their first no-action letter. So without getting too technical, all that means is that they actually did come up with a resolution on a company called Turnkey Jet, which offered a, I think more of it, they, they, they're actually saying it's more like the first example of using airline rewards as currency. Uh, so anyway, the SEC wrote up a letter that talked about it from James Prescott Curry, the lawyer representing Turnkey Jet, that they are allowing this under certain guidelines on what this can be classified as. Um, I caution any startup listening to this or any investor listening to this regarding blockchain that does, doesn't automatically mean that your idea is going to work. We constantly state that you need to get this checked out by your own legal counsel and or the regulators that you work with. Uh, don't go away for cyber tip in segment three because I'm going to do a very in-depth look at some of the cyber crimes that are happening right now. And that's the Tech News of the Week. So in studio today, I have Liz Kuka, who is the Director of Programs at Ethereum Classic Labs, or otherwise known as ETC. And she also is an investor and represents the Digital Finance Group. Welcome, Liz. Hi, Keith. Thanks for having me. So Liz is pretty well known in the Valley. She's got a great background in startups and investing, especially in the technology world. Uh, Liz used to be very active in a similar position at Plug and Play where we met. So Liz, what's going on with you right now? 
What's going on with me right now? Uh, we just wrapped up demo day for Ethereum Classic Labs. We have that's our very first cohort that concluded yesterday, April nine, and we're diving right into cohort two in mid August. So we're already kind of prepping and planning and finalizing what that cohort will look like. Yeah, I I was actually thankful that I was able to attend demo day. I thought it was a great event. Thanks um, for coming. <laughs> thanks for having me. It was. I really liked a lot of the companies that were there. And um, recently, we had both Kryzen, um, an algorithmic trading platform. We did a show with Shuvro, the CEO. And we also just had a show with Aaron Lowry, the CEO of Ethernoth, both companies in batch number one. And I really think that as people stop thinking of blockchain solely as cryptocurrency, but more of the utility and how it's going to transform certain industries, that's what I really liked about the overall concept and what the folks at ETC Labs are doing. So why don't we talk a little bit more about some of the companies we're at Demo Day? Sure. Uh, you just mentioned Kryzen. And for your listeners that um, were able to catch the segment a few weeks ago, they are a, a crypto algo trading solution. So the first user group um, were developers, and now they've expanded so that someone like myself, who's not a dev, um, can also run my el- my own algos um, on the crypto market. So they're they're pretty exciting, and I think one to watch out for. They've only been live for around two months now, and they uh, have one partner in place that's an exchange, that's a, a five-figure deal, and um, over a dozen paying subscribers. So they're one to watch out for, a team of five um, from New York City, mathematicians and PhDs and they're one sales guys and engineer also. Um, so I think they're they're very talented. And from what I've seen in the market, they have some competitors, but generally it's um, a designer, a developer, um, someone who's doing front-end design or development. Um, and, and so I haven't seen anybody with it with a team like theirs so far. So they're exciting. Um, Ethernode, as you mentioned, they were they pitched yesterday as well. They're a, a decentralized router. And so for them, kind of the future is um, like privacy is, is having a lot of value and for all of us to be able to um, secure our data and own our own data. And so in many ways, it's kind of like going in reverse where, where you're kind of running your own kind of data center, I guess that would be the ideal. So they're interesting. Yeah, you know, what I want to jump in on and uh, for both Kryzen, you can, it was very well listened to, but you can download the podcast that we did with them. Um, the key here is that they enable traders of cryptocurrency to have tools analogous to traders of equities. And their own software is not built on a blockchain. They're just enabling people who want to do simulation analysis and then execute their trades uh, to do that with the same type of tools that other retail investors have. And so the great thing about Kryzen is that um, you can buy a monthly subscription just like you would buy any other software, and it's not very complicated. So, the, and so for Ethernode, in a similar fashion, they're selling direct to the consumer in order to be able to host their own Ethereum node. And, and this is as the average listener is getting more and more familiar with blockchain and or the concept of cryptocurrency. I think that's why um, ETC Labs, which we'll get into a little bit more, is, is so important because you are incubating, literally incubating um, the next generation of tools that are coming out there. Yeah, absolutely. And that was a great uh, description of Kryzen. <laughs> I, think, I think you definitely did them justice there. So thanks, Keith. Sure. So um, how did ETC Labs get started? What was the concept behind that? Yeah, um, the parent company, Digital Finance Group, they have, they've been investing since 1995. It's a family, family office, family business. 
And what they had originally been investing in are things like supply chain and real estate are just really basic and traditional um, investments. And five years ago, they diversified uh, into digital assets and moved all of their financing into digital assets 100%. And so some of our portfolio companies, um, they may be kind of strange to some to some listeners unless you're in the blockchain space, but one big one um, that you might know as a browser is Brave. So that's one of our portfolio companies. Another is Block and Purse and Ripio and Circle. So a bunch of big names. So they made um, 14, we've made 14 investments so far. And last year decided to put a little bit of emphasis on Ethereum Classic specifically. Our founder and chairman, James Woe, has been an Ethereum Classic supporter since... Uh, since its beginnings. Uh, and so the accelerators intended to, you know, increase um, uh, uh, development on it there on the Ethereum classic blockchain. So that was that was the reason why. Uh, we're, we're almost out of time on the first segment, but how do they get a hold of ETC labs? What's the domain name? Oh, thank you. It's at www.etclabs.org. Okay, so you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. My guest in studio today is Louis Kuka, who's the director of programs at ETC Labs and an investor with the Digital Finance Group. Uh, we will be talking more in the next couple segments about a roadshow that they're conducting and diving deeper into um, what they look for in investments. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz. And we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call one 888 828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Today in studio, I have my friend Liz Kuka, who's the director of programs at Ethereum Classic Labs and an investor with the Digital Finance Group. Hi again, Liz. Hi, Keith. <laughs> So this is a perfect question for Liz because you see a lot of startups and there's a lot of hype around blockchain in itself. So the question of the week is, is blockchain good for everything or conversely, uh, what is blockchain not good for? And I, and I know you have a great example for this. Yeah. People ask me this question all of the time. Um, blockchain is not great for any instance where you need to uh, store a lot of data so if you want it to be on-chain or publicly available, it's just too much of a heavy load. So one example um, of a team that pitched to me last year at TechCrunch Disrupt in San Francisco was this idea of a, of a dash cam that we would all own. We'd all have to you know, purchase this thing. Um, and then if my car was stolen, assuming that the car next to my car also had the dash cam, um, they'd be able to record it. And all of that data would be placed on, on the blockchain. So it's one, it's very difficult to assume that anyone's going to own this dash cam. We're all going to buy it from, you know, XYZ company. And then two, that that this is going to be, um, all the data is going to be placed on the blockchain is, is kind of wild. And then also assuming that all of these people who are buying these sensors, or sorry, the dash cams um, have, have any interest in blockchain whatsoever or accessing that data through the blockchain is pretty far-fetched. Yeah, that's a great point, Liz. So I think a uh, story there is, uh, because of the hype of blockchain and during the ICO craze, everybody wanted to label their solution with a blockchain so they could get a higher valuation or, or more fundraising or more investment. But in reality, uh, we always say don't blockchain for the sake of blockchaining. It, it doesn't make any sense. And there's still a lot of technical limitations, uh, but, but we'll get into more of that. So thank you for answering that question. So following up to that question, just briefly, I was on stage with... Um, 
I have to be even really careful how I describe this person, a very senior person in a regulated industry who was giving a keynote on what the promise of blockchain was and uh, literally took out of the back of his pocket a list of 20 things that will revolutionize this regulated industry. And, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not an engineer, but he, he's even less of a technologist. And it was things that, back to the example you're giving, um, recording all this data on the blockchain. And if you remember, a blockchain is an immutable record. So, you know, if you had personal information that was stored in a blockchain, it's going to be stored in that blockchain forever. There are different masking techniques that are being worked on, but it's just crazy to say, I want to store all this data inside a public blockchain. So, so just following up to that. Um, so, Liz, I wanted to go into your own story. I think it's really interesting in how you, you got into the startup space. So why don't we talk a little bit about uh, where you came out of? Yeah. So professionally speaking, or like my first kind of real job um, was as a soccer coach. So graduated from university, didn't know what I was going to do, uh, environmental science background. And then, yeah, started coaching soccer, competitive soccer, having played soccer my whole life. Um, and then got a gig as a PE instructor at a school in San Francisco and where I, where I live. And, uh, you know, it was, it was great. What's like the dream job you get to play outside all day and you also get to exercise while you're working. Um, and that gig kind of turned into, Hey, do you want to do some, uh, substitute teaching sometimes? So I started doing that and the, the payment for, or the, the position for the physical, uh, physical education instructor position got slashed. And so the principal at the time offered to fundraise to keep the position live. And I decided I wanted to make a bigger impact and go more into teaching. So fell into teaching, became a certified teacher, did that for about seven years, um, made a pretty good dent, I think, in the lives of the students I worked with, um, all at-risk youth in low-income neighborhoods in San Francisco, and then didn't know what in the world I was going to do next because I had kind of reached as much as I thought I could do. Didn't want to be a principal, didn't want to move to D.C., thought about going to grad school to do research in the education space. But as a total generalist, I, I really was done with education, I decided. So went back to school, got a design MBA, which means that you kind of focus the MBA on on design strategy and design thinking, kind of more product. And it was there that um, I worked on my first project. I would say it's a company, but never actually incorporated. So this team of four of us never made it all the way there. I had a prototype and everything. Um, but, but yeah, I did a bunch of things. So worked on my own product, uh, did some design sprints for Fortune 500s. Uh, that was a good gig for a while. Graduated, still didn't know what I was going to do. Student loan debt hit and uh, plug and play. Tech Center was a great fit for me because you're surrounded by researchers, investors, startups, really ambitious people who are um, making getting things done. And so it was, it was a perfect fit. And as that plug and play for about two years, um, I started on the InsureTech team. Uh, when I joined, there were, we were a team of six. And when I left, there were a team of around 35. We were one one office in Sunnyvale. And then InsureTech, we grew to around six more offices globally uh, that I helped launch. So by the time I left, I was managing um, kind of a global accelerator, so to speak. And again, wasn't really being challenged. So now I'm just managing other people. It's kind of, kind of boring. Um, and I'd been following blockchain for a while. So I'd been following for about three or four years and got a call by Ethereum Classic Labs to come and design a, an accelerator for them in San Francisco. So it seemed like uh, the, the dream job. Well, I think that's your background is, is really great in particular for a couple of reasons. One, the classic Silicon Valley and now you know any innovation center around the world, not just in Silicon Valley, that you started off in one direction, you were doing uh, – PE and soccer coaching into teaching and then going back for your design MBA. 
and then landing in um, the heart of Silicon Valley doing what you love. And I, I think it's funny because I watch you in action all the time. You're, you're really still coaching. You're just now coaching startups versus coaching soccer teams. People say that all the time. <laughs> yeah, like this is a class, these are your students. Yeah, I, I never think about it that way. But yeah, how can I be helpful? And I guess paying great attention to everyone I'm interacting with so I can be helpful. So. Yeah, well, we, we talked in the earlier segment about how ETC Labs had their first demo day closing. And uh, we'll talk about the next batch um, in the next segment. But you know, I've seen some of these companies go through. I've had them on the show, and the, where they started off and where they're ending up, and the type of interest they're getting with investors and potential customers, is speaks um, volumes to not just your experience, but to the ecosystem you you've built for ETC Labs. Well, thank you, Keith. So then, what? How does DFG fit into this? I mean, I know that's the parent company, but how do they actually fit into the the, the, the ecosystem itself? Yeah, DFG doesn't play too much of a role um, with Ethereum Classic Labs. It is the parent company. That is where the financing comes from for our um, equity-based investments. But otherwise, they don't play too much of a role. Um, the investments from Digital Finance Group, they aren't based on Ethereum Classic specifically. They're they're blockchain agnostic. So they're not doing too, too much with, with Ethereum Classic Labs. Okay, but they do have a crypto hedge fund. We do have a crypto hedge fund that we're fundraising for right now. And explain again, what is a crypto hedge fund? A crypto hedge fund is uh, we look at coin market cap and we invest in the top 20 performing coins. So it increases liquidity for investors um, instead of having to wait like seven to nine years for an equity-based investment. You have uh, liquidity much faster. For someone who knows nothing about crypto, but they want to invest, and especially uh, the type of investor that would be interested in a typical hedge fund, how would they do the due diligence on whether a crypto hedge fund is the right type of investment vehicle for them? Great question. Um, so our team is, it, I think it's about 30 people. It's 30 quants in, in Shanghai. So we have a really strong team. Um, we have a data room, uh, which means we have our numbers for month over month, day over day, how we've made our decisions and choices on buy, selling and trading. And so that's available when it gets close to kind of the finish line with a potential investor. So we, we've done, we have all of the diligence in place for, for anyone that's interested. Um, but our performance has been, has been wonderful. We've, we've done really well. Um, we have another hedge fund. Um, it was our very first fund, completely family money um, that had 20x returns. And we started, I think, around four years ago. So the difference with that fund versus this one is we're taking um, outside investors or LPs for the first time. And uh, the quant strategy is, is much heavier. And we think it's kind of the way to go. Well, thanks, Liz, again, for going into where we're at with ETC Labs and DFG. Um, I, as a reminder, I want to talk about a couple of events. The San Jose Smart City Conference will be May 31st at San Jose City Hall, free to the public. Come to svin.biz for more information. Bina Amanath, the global VP of HP's innovation for AI, blockchain, and big data, will be one of the keynote speakers. If you have any questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at svn.biz. Stay tuned because we're going to be joined with Brett Noyes. Managing Director of Unbank, to talk about the roadshow that they're doing with ETC Labs. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. In the studio today, I have Liz Kuka, who's the Director of Programs for Ethereum Classic Labs, and an investor with the Digital Finance Group. 
On the phone, we're now joined with Brett Noyes, who's the Managing Director of Unbanked Ventures. Welcome, Brett. Thank you for having me. Welcome again, Liz. We're back. So for this week's Cyber Tip, instead of doing a deep dive on one, I'm a little backed up, so I'm going to go through several that I think are important for everyone to know about. The first one is if you are a Verizon Fios customer, it's likely that your gateway router is vulnerable. Uh, the way you're going to fix that is Verizon's pushing out the update, so make sure that you take the update because without it, uh, any almost anyone who knows a little bit about hacking can actually get direct access to your router and all of its contents over your network. IBM talks about a new malware called TrickBot, and since we're in tax season, this is specifically malware geared towards people who are stressed out about their tax returns. Um, the malware comes in the form of email from a trusted uh, financial advisor, say H&R Block or your accounting firm, and you're going to click on it like you normally shouldn't, and it's going to fish you, it's going to get all your, your information, get your accounts, and then you're really going to be losing a lot of money. Uh, does everyone remember the story about a alleged Chinese spy trying to break into President Trump's Mar-a-Lago? Uh, well, whether she's a real spy or not, she had a thumb drive on hand and it was loaded with malware. And so it goes that if you ever get control of the computer, you actually have control of the computer and theoretically the network if the network's unsecured. So she was hoping that she'd be able to stick her USB key into any computer at Mar-a-Lago and through that method find a way to break into all of President Trump's information. Uh, the story for you is that whether you're an individual or business owner, is that this can happen very easily to you as well. So you, it's not just enough to secure your desktop, your laptop, your physical machine. Um, you also need to make sure that your network is prepared so that if an intrusion happened through that first layer, that your backend is also secure. And then my last tip is that Cisco Talos, their research division, reported that we talk about the dark web a lot, but actually a lot of cybercrime happens out in the open and how many criminals use Facebook to conduct our operation. So we talked about it with the show we did with Checkpoint Software, how social media is a great place now for lots of different hackers to come together and sell you or sell someone directly their services, whether it's email lists, credit card numbers, um, hacking into other people's accounts. They just offer it as an actual, they pay for Facebook and Google ads. So just be careful for what you're trying to procure. And that's the Cyber Tip of the Week. Okay. So we're back with Liz and Brett. Liz and Brett, talk about the upcoming road show that you're doing together. What's that all about? And uh, since Liz is in studio, we're going to go with Brett since you're on the phone. Sure. Uh, so we've partnered together, myself, on Bank Ventures and Ethereum Classic Labs, to do kind of a series of events up and down the, the, the West Coast, starting in Las, Ve well, yeah, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Seattle, and Vancouver. And what we're collectively looking to do is uh, find companies that can join our fall cohorts. And Liz, talk a little bit about the cohort process. Yeah, I guess for for ETC Labs, um, because Unbanked Ventures, Brat has has his own accelerator. Just just so that folks know, it's two separate um, entities or two separate programs. And um, we have a matrix that we've created, um, kind of just like running through the team, the tech, the competition, the market. So we we have a, a, a traditional kind of a way that we analyze companies. Great. And so, how did since you have your own accelerators? How did it make sense to come together to do the roadshow together? 
That's a that's a great question, and I don't. Liz will give you a, probably a more flowery answer, but I think for for me, it just came down to the fact that we work really our program works really well with a theory of classic labs. We do a lot of stuff at the blockchain space. We just really enjoyed um, the overall community that they've built, and so we were. We're both kind of doing the same things, but in a non-competitive way. So it just kind of uh, made sense for us to kind of partner together and uh, pull our resources together. Just anecdotally, because you brought this up, Brett, one thing I love about blockchain community, to strip out cryptocurrency and all this stuff, is exactly what you just said, is that for people in the blockchain community, it's so collaborative. It it harkens back to the days in the IT world where companies had, um, they're doing their own thing and they weren't actually all trying to compete with each other. But they were actually yep. trying to, you know, basically cooperate or cooptition, as you used to say it. So I think that's a really great point, um, Liz. With the closing of the cohort that just happened for ETC Labs and the roadshow you're about to do, which is going to have different components to it, if I were a startup interested in joining the next cohort, what are the things that I need to be thinking about preparing for? The types of teams that we're that we're looking to work with are solving for kind of middleware, I guess is an, an easier way to describe it. Um, in the blockchain world, it's kind of layer two solution. Um, so if you're uh, developing something that's um, kind of focused on developers and tooling for developers, like you you should definitely reach out to us. Um, we're looking for more than just a white paper. Uh, it should be a team that you know has an MVP. They their their product is either already built or, again, has an MVP or it's pretty close to being built, um, not just an idea. So we need teams that are a little bit further along. Um, and we need to get along with the team. So if it's uh, a bunch of jerks, yeah, we've, we've no interest in working with you. So be likable. Yeah. And Brett, for you, is that the same qualities or are there other components for what you're looking for? Yeah, I think we're, uh, someone kind of said it today, we're kind of looking for the application layer, probably kind of the next step. Uh, as far as product stage, you know, we're looking for at least a minimal viable product, you know, something that's that could be rolled out into the market within the next three months when we work with the companies. And kind of going back a step with us, we're focused on, you know, fintech or financial services. So anything that's going to kind of help to make the, the financial health and well-being or the banking services and uh, related areas better is, is the type of stuff that we're looking for. Thanks. And I think that covers what, uh, what you're looking for in the startups. If I were an investor, and uh, Brett, why don't you start off with the answer on this question. If I were an investor, why would I attend the roadshow? What, what would be the reason to come? Yeah, from the investor side, uh, a couple different reasons. Uh, I think we're going to draw out some very interesting, right? It's, I think of this stuff almost like this level, American Idol for startups. So we're going to see some, you know, funky pitches, some really creative ideas that may or not may or may not be good. Um, you know, we'll find some diamonds in the rough. Is really what we'll be doing. Uh, from the investor side, I think you got two sides. You have the opportunity to either find startups or, you know, potentially invest in uh, the un uh, the unventures fund. Or I believe I'm sure ETC Labs is also taking some money. So I think there's both, there's a, uh, kind of the opportunity to be either a direct investor or an LP. Okay, and, and what I find, um, and Liz, maybe uh, you can address this, is that it, when it comes to blockchain technology, and even though we say all the time it's not just about cryptocurrency, the investor who hasn't yet dipped their toe into blockchain investments, they're, they're a bit hesitant. So the roadshow is a great place for them to learn more. What are some other things 
before them actually going to the meetup and the roadshow? What are some things for them to think about in terms of considering blockchain as a viable investment for them? Oh, it's a big question. Um, I would say to look at the team like they would any other investment. I wouldn't look at it really any different with the exception of the rate of adoption. So I think for a lot of investors you know, who want a 10x return, you're, you're really not, it's un, very unlikely you're going to get that from a blockchain company right now. It's not to say it's not possible, but it's just far less likely. Um, and that what we're seeing more so today um, are acquisitions or aqua hires. Brett, you can speak more to this. I think you had um, something to share from yesterday um, from some of your teams. But yeah, I'd say to just look at it the same as you would any other team. I think during the, the crazy 2017, 2016, 2017 days where folks were just dropping cash left and right without doing any diligence is, is just wild. I, I don't even, I don't know. Maybe if I had, you know, millions and millions of dollars to just drop that way, I, I would have played along. But yeah, no, I, I think diligence is always necessary. All right. And you, Brett? Well, I'd say there, there's some nuances to, you know, uh, different, you know, well, not all block, first of all, not all blockchain companies are the same. Some have aspects where tokens are part of it. Uh, there's different aspects of scalability, governance. There's just a handful of things that are really unique to a blockchain startup. So I'd say if you're thinking about entering into, you know, making your first investment in that space, you know, we're obviously going to say partner with us. Uh, just in general, work with somebody who understands it because there, there's just a few different nuances that make it different than just, you know, investing in a pure play, you know, startup using regular technology. So it's, there's just some, some aspects, and I think Liz hit on some other things. It's, it's early. Um, a lot of this technology is not, you know, commercially viable yet, um, and the, the exits look a little bit different than, you know, IPOing. It's more likely the companies that we work with over the next, you know, two to five years will probably all be, you know, aqua hires or, you know, acquired by larger organizations versus, you know, standalone companies. Right. And that that fits a pattern uh, as companies mature and people take notice. So with the uh, the reach of this show and also beyond Silicon Valley and also your schedule, where cities are you hitting? What are the time frames for the road show? Yeah, yeah Liz, you want to? <laughs> you have the dates right in front of you. <laughs> I know them. Um, like the back yeah. of my hand. Yeah, so we'll be in yeah. Los Angeles uh, this coming Tuesday, April 16th, and then we'll head over to Las Vegas on April 18th. So that's when we're actually hosting an event. Uh, so 16th in Los, Los Angeles, 18th in Vegas. Um, and then we'll head over to Seattle the following week, that Monday and Tuesday. That's April 22 and 23, hosting an event on the 22nd. And then we'll go to Vancouver on April 24 and 25, hosting an event on the 24th. So each each city has a, a second day there for, for meetings and to getting getting to know folks and taking some time. And for interested parties, how do they actually sign up a meetup? We have an Eventbrite link. We can share it in the notes after this. Um, or yeah, or they can always email um, us at info at etclabs.org. Happy to send folks uh, free tickets. Great. And then if you happen to be in the Bay Area, I will be moderating a panel on security and blockchain on what date, Liz? April 17. Just right after tax day. <laughs> so with just the short amount of time left, Brett, is there anything else that you want to get across for the roadshow or for Unbanked Ventures? Yeah, just in general, we're looking for, uh, you know, companies that are doing very interesting things and, you know, very progressive things to make financial services better. So if you're doing something in that space, uh, we'd love to talk to you and see what you're working on and see if we could help you get to the next stage. So once again in this segment, I have Liz Kuka, Director of Programs at ETC Labs, as well as an investor with the Digital Finance Group, also joined with Brett Noyes, who's the Managing Director of Unbanked Ventures. 
And the two companies are doing a collaborative roadshow to both educate um, potential investors in blockchain companies, as well as to find blockchain-related companies for their next cohort. And for more information, email us at info at svn.biz, and we'll be right back to finish the show with Liz on The Pivot. For questions or comments on today's program, call one 828 7846 That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. I'm joined with my friend Liz Kuka, who is the Director of Programs at Ethereum Classic Labs and an investor with Digital Finance Group. Hi, Liz. Hi, Keith. So if you're just catching today's show, you need to go back and listen to the whole thing because we covered a lot of ground in what Ethereum Classic Labs is doing in their first cohort, which is closing. We had Brett Noyes, the managing director of Unbank, join us to talk about a roadshow that Unbank and Ethereum Classic Labs are doing together in Los Angeles, Vegas, and Vancouver in the next coming weeks. And now we're going to switch to the pivot where we're going to talk with Liz with some of her experiences in how companies change. And so, Liz, thanks again for joining us on the segment. Thanks, Keith. So, Liz, uh, we had talked about Cohort 1. We've had a few companies on um, our show recently that are in that batch. There's Kryzen, an algorithmic trading platform. There's Ethernode, which is doing decentralized security on a network. What is going to be different in the next batch? Yeah, for Cohort 2, well, let's take a step back. Cohort 1, we were focused a bit more on the application layer. And so teams... Um, actually that we haven't spoken too much about yet, but Slips is, is one of the teams as well that just pitched yesterday. Um, they're an application layer solution. They focus on um, e-games and betting. And for the next cohort, for cohort two, we're going to focus on middle layer, layer two solutions. So these are uh, tools for, for developers so that blockchain can be interoperable, so that Ethereum Classic can easily um, integrate and work with um, Bitcoin or EOS or Tron or Cosmos or any other blockchain. Um, also, scalability is a big issue in blockchain right now, and so we're, we're working on on that tooling. Um, privacy is important to us. So really all of those middle layer um, pieces, all of those back-end pieces that the consumer doesn't really know anything about, that's what we're interested in. So. First, we were doing applications, things that the everyday consumer would see. Now we're taking a step back and we're developing out um, Ethereum Classic core technology so that it's um, thriving and it's a great value proposition for developers to build upon. And so we we believe that once that's set and stable and, um, and forward um, in, in the blockchain space or um, advancing the blockchain space, that that'll be ready for marketplaces and dApps and everything else to be to build upon it. Yeah, I think that's a really powerful statement. Um, we were explaining even a year and a half ago that when people were doing the Bitcoin, Ethereum craze as a cryptocurrency, that the thing about blockchains is parallel universes. And so you have Bitcoin and you have Ethereum and you have Ethereum Classic. And Ethereum is actually a fork of Ethereum Classic. So Ethereum Classic is actually, quote unquote, the original Ethereum. And that um, they don't natively speak to each other. And when people say, well, that's terrible, it's like, it's not that different to any technology trend or curve in the past 40 years where you have first movers in certain spaces. Um, Even in the internet days uh, in the 90s, we had um, Token Ring and then we had Ethernet. And those are two different protocols, but yet they learned how to speak to each other. So similarly in blockchain, uh, you're explaining how cohort one was about 
certain applications that people could adopt and use and how taking a step back, um, people realized that in order to really scale blockchain overall, which will happen, is that different organizations and companies have to think about how to create these uh, tools for developers that can actually do that. Yeah, exactly. So then with that, because we had talked earlier in the show about um, Ethereum Classic Labs, Unbanked Ventures, and doing a roadshow to uh, as part of the acquisition process for up-and-coming companies, how do people then, um, whether they go to the roadshow or not, how do they actually get vetted to go through the process? Usually, so sometimes folks apply online through etclabs.org. Um, oftentimes I get referrals. That's been probably the most successful way to get in contact with us. And so once a referral is made, it's for you know one of those middle layer companies I was mentioning, um, we'll have a call. Then we'll usually have a video call. We do our own diligence and start kind of reviewing the team. Uh, we will talk to former investors or current investors, uh, customers if there are any. So we do kind of the traditional diligence. Um, then internally, we kind of comprise our top kind of 25 list or so, and we review it internally. Um, that's with our chairman and chairman and founder and, and our U.S. CEO, Terry Culver. Um, and then I, I get feedback from from them. And this looks like it's kind of on point. We're not sure about this one. What do you think? And then they kind of send it back to me, shuffle it around a little bit more. And yeah, that's our that's our next cohort. Well, thanks. So, uh, you know, one thing is because this segment's the pivot and you're my friend and uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, several months ago, and I talked about it on the show earlier, several months ago, Barbara Corcoran of the Shark Tank had said that, you know, she kind of said this broad statement that if you're a startup, and if you said two things to her, one being that you pivoted, she's just not interested. And and you had a, a, a you had a written response on LinkedIn or a written reaction to that. Uh, why don't we go into that a little bit? Sure. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? <laughs> well, what I want to talk about is you see startups every day of your life. And I imagine that, uh, especially when they go through the incubator, that almost all of them pivot to some degree. So yeah. measure that with what Barbara says and that I don't talk to companies at a startup phase who say they pivot. She may have been speaking at like a very high, I don't know. I mean, her her comment was kind of, uh, you, you're not prepared if you pivot. And I think that's just crazy to think that you can potentially map out every possible thing that's going to happen in your company um, and not have to change something, then that's just, that's insane. Um, the way that I use the word pivot and people within my space or my network use pivot, it, it, it could be anything. It could be your customer segment. It could be your go-to-market. It could be your channel customer. It could be anything. It, it can be a pivot and it could be a major thing for your company to have to do. You might be acquiring a brand new customer base, which means you're communicating in a brand new way. You're marketing in a brand new, everything changes. And so it is a big deal. Um, and so when she, when she refers to pivot, maybe she means product, but even so there's been plenty of uh, big names that have pivoted over time. A Slack is a huge one, a huge example of a of a major company that and, and Twitter, Twitter was a podca- Twitter. Twitter was a podcasting platform. Yeah, there's a bunch. So, with that, Liz, thanks for you and Brett to be on the show today. Love to have you back. Thanks, Keith. Let me know when I'm coming back. <laughs> so, for any questions or comments on what we talked about in today's show, email us at info at svn.biz, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN.